to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Last week's message, we we studied 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and Kind of like I like to do, I kind of like to give you kind of a recap so we can have a springboard moving into the next one. Again, Don had done chapter one, Pastor Don. We moved into chapter two last week and we, we spoke as Paul was, was reflecting on the Thessalonica, blah, Thessalonica church and, um, and just again, showing the love that he has for this church. Again, as we talked last week, it's kind of weird sometimes in most of his books, not sometimes, it's usually like a half a chapter is his introduction to that church. Kind of the same thing that we would do. You know, if you were writing to a letter to somebody that you cared for or, or you were talking to them, you might spend a few sentences on, hey, I, how, man, I just miss you so much. It was, it's been great. I wish I could see you more often. All those kinds of things is just what you would do just as an introduction to kind of get going. Paul, for this church, spends three chapters. Again, like I said last week, it's not like he wrote, oh, First Thessalonians, you know, I'm going to write two books to them, so this one's going to be First Thessalonians, and this is chapter 1, verse 1, and he didn't just start off that way. He's just writing to them. And actually, technically, he's probably not writing. Somebody else is writing it. He's telling them, and they're writing it down for him. But he writes, and it takes three chapters as an introduction. We're going to finish the last part of that today. But as he does, he, he introduced it the first week of just reminiscing to them. And then last week we talked to them and he, he said, look, I know that people are talking about us, but look, we didn't come to you in error. Do you guys remember this? We didn't come to you in error. We didn't come to you in uncleanness. There was no sexual immorality within our life. There was no, I didn't come to you in deceit. I didn't come with you with a lure trying to trick you into doing something or believing something. We didn't seek our own glory. There was nothing there for us. And again, Paul said, look, I know these people are coming in and they're trying to, to badmouth us and try to, to lie about us and try to, to, to put some kind of desire in you that you would think that maybe we were wrong, that we were lying to. Look, I, we didn't come to you that way. No, but we came to you as, as, a nursing, as a mom to a nursing baby. I came to you gently. I came to you lovingly. We talked last week about, you know, a mom who has a baby is just, she'll do anything for that child. Just to hold it, just to take care of it, and just, just to, just to treasure it. Oh, this is my baby, and, and gently placing it down, and taking care of it, and feeding, and, and making sure they get their naps on time, and making sure the rest of the house is quiet. I mean, all these things that a, a mom just does. Why? Because that's my baby. I take care of it. I love that baby. The same thing for Paul for this church is, look, I came to you and, and I just I just loved you so much. I wasn't a burden upon you. I, I worked hard all day long and then at nighttime I would teach to you and, and I just I just I didn't want to be a burden at all. I just came to you and I just loved you and and I didn't ask anything. I could have. I mean I'm an apostle. I could have asked for you guys to help me out. I, I didn't do that. But I just loved you and I took care of you. We gave our lives to you. We didn't ask anything back for, we just gave everything that we have, we poured into you and just, and just loved into you. Because the only thing that we wanted to do was preach the gospel. 
The same thing that I told you, that's, that's all that this church wants to do. That's all we want to do is just, I just want to preach the gospel. I want to, I want to pour into you. Pastor Don just wants to, to pour into you guys as much information, as much knowledge, as much caring and love as we possibly can. Why is it for our own glory that we might seek it and seal glory from the Lord? Absolutely not. Actually, it's, it's the other way around. It's the fact that I don't want the glory. I want you to continue to look up. I want to point you to the Lord. Oh, Kevin, I'm going through a hard time. I've got to talk to you. Yeah, I can talk to you. But listen, what I'm going to do is I'm going to point you back to Jesus. I'm going to point you back to God. Why? Because God's the one that provides. God is the one that's going to meet your spiritual need. I can't do that. God's going to be the one that meets your emotional need. I can't do that. I mean, I can come along temporarily and, and provide a covering for that short time. But the only one who can do that is God. And so that's why we continually push you guys and say, look, please be in your word. Continue studying your word. Be like a Berean and get into the word and know it and read it every single day. And, and Christian, get to, get to know your father. Talk to him every day. Get on your knees if you need to and, and just open up and, and Lord, here I am. I was talking to a gentleman one time. He was saying, you know, I, I, I don't talk to God that much. I don't know what to say. And I said, well, just start with something. Start with 30 seconds. Start with 60 seconds. And those little times that you start with, guess what? All of a sudden now it starts to grow a little bit more. It starts to grow a little bit more. Why? Because the, the awkwardness of talking to God and going, well, I don't really, I don't really know God and I don't know what I would say to God. Well, that starts, but then as you continue to build a relationship and then He continues to talk to you through either through the Word or there's a Word from somebody else, now all of a sudden you start feeling that relationship and now, man, now I, I can spend 15, 20 minutes. Because I know that there's needs that are in the world and there's people that, that need help that have got cancer or there's, there's people in other churches that I know that have got things going on with their marriage and then there's, there's people that are, are financially need help and then there's, there's Christmas time and then there's family members and then there's death and then there's, then there's my own needs and then there's, there's all these things that I can, I can come to the Lord and pray. It has to start with just a conversation. And as you build that relationship with the Lord and you build that trust with the Lord, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I, 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 I like you, but man, I got to go to the Lord. And that's exactly what we want. I don't want that glory. Same thing I said last week, too, is I think, again, that this podium, whether it be here or some other church, gets just too much acknowledgement. Just too much acknowledgement. He said, and you received the word of God. You Thessalonians, that I was there for only three weeks. I, I poured everything I had into you for three weeks and then I had to get out of town. But for three weeks, I just poured into you. Same thing with you guys. As we continue to pour into you, you've received the word of God. And as I said last week, go. Go into the world. Take that knowledge, take that information that you have received and take it out into your community. Take it out into your family and go. Be free. Do the work of the ministry. Remember James, the book of James? Don't be, don't be just be, don't be just be doers of the word of God. Be doers. Don't be pew potatoes. Don't be sitting there just taking it in all the time and I've got all this knowledge. No, go be doers of it. Get out there. moves into verse 17 this morning in, in chapter 2, and it says, But we, brethren, 
having been taken away from you for a short time, in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. And Paul thought, Paul wants the Thessalonians to know how much that he cares for them. Again, as we've talked, it's almost like a love letter that he's writing to them, but in the presence and, and not in heart. And, and presence here is to, is to see one's face, to see them personally. In the, in the heart, he's saying, look, I, 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 want, I want to see you in, in your face. And I want to actually see that person because, look, you're already in my heart. I already think about you all the time. And the heart here is, is the inner man. It's the soul or the mind as, as it is in the, in the fountain, in the seat of the thoughts. And it's the passions. It's the desires. It's the, the affections. It's the purposes. It's the endeavors. Look, you're, you're already here in my heart. I already have a desire for you. I'm already thinking all the time about you, but man, I really want to see you in presence. I want to see your face. I want to give you a hug. I want to see the ups and downs, the things that's going on in the, in the city where you're at. Paul says, I can't get you off my mind. He says, but I endeavored to exert oneself to, to be diligent. It's created in us a desire to find some way to see you. Paul says, man, I, we're, we're sitting here and we're having, we're talking about it and we're praying and we're like trying to figure out, man, how do we get over to Thessalonica? Cause man, I, I really want to see them. I really have a desire to see them. It's just, it's all that's on my mind. And it's kind of like I was thinking about, I've told this story before too, when Christine and I were dating that, you know, we'd get off the phone at night and we'd talk and, and when we'd get off the phone, I would then jump in my car. She lived about 20, 20 minutes away. I would either go and, and grab some flowers and take it to her house and say, oh, good night. Or I would just come to knock on the door and just to say good night again. You know, I mean, just again, just a one more conversation just to get to see her. Oh, she was already in my heart. I just wanted to see her though. The phone wasn't good enough. I, I wanted to see the face that goes with her. There was a desire there. There was a, a, a something that was inside of me that just, just a, the conversation just wasn't enough. Paul says the same thing with me as I just, I just wanted to, we just wanted to see you. So therefore, verse 18, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. But Satan hindered us. And this is in contrast to Acts chapter 16. You guys know the story because we talked about it when we did the book of Philippians, Acts 17 or, or 16. He, he goes to the church of Philippi, but right here he, he was heading out. Paul was like, man, I got to go on a mission trip. I got to go tell people about Jesus. And every time he started heading out, he went one place and the Holy Spirit stopped him. Went to another place. The Holy Spirit stopped him. So it's kind of a contrast here with the, in, in Acts 16, the Holy Spirit is stopping him. Well, here, at this moment, it, it's Satan that is hindering him. Paul knew the difference between the two. He understood that, hey, look, it was the Holy Spirit back then. It wasn't Satan that was hindering me. It was the Holy Spirit. And then eventually he has the dream and, you know, he sees the man from Troy and says, hey, come over here, please. And then he heads on a boat and heads over there to Philippi. And he goes over there and starts the, the first European church. But here, for some reason, he knows that it's Satan, that it's not, it's not the Holy Spirit anymore. First thing I want to say is, is, guys, Satan is real. 
I, I know we, we kind of make fun of it at times or we, we have jokes about it at times or, you know, we, you know, we used to dress up in little red outfits with a tail and horns and stuff like that. And we all kind of know that's not really what Satan would look like, right? He's probably absolutely beautiful. I mean, he was an angel. He was an angel that had headed up all worship within, within heaven. And so, I mean, I think I look at it sometimes and that's why I think music is so tempting to us is because that's what Satan did. I mean, that's, that's, he's like, that's my gig. I can do that, you know, and I can do all this other stuff, but I'm really good at that. There's some who even think that when Satan speaks, that it's like, you know, all, there's all these different levels of, of music that when he speaks, it's in that. That it's not just a voice like this, but it would be all-encompassing with, with chords and everything else. Anyways, that's a side note. But anyways, it's not even in my notes. But So here he is. So Satan is real. And I think so many times we, we either, one, don't think that he's real, and oh, that's just, that's just made up. Well, if you think Satan is made up, then you think God is made up. Because God mentions that, hey, look, this is my adversary. He's, he's on the earth and this is his planet and he gets to do things and he gets to inquire and, and be in charge of different things. But listen, Satan is not all powerful. He can't just do anything that he wants to do. Now, Satan is much more powerful than us. I mean, if you hear people say, oh, yeah, Satan, come on, bring it on. And he would just flick you. You'd be gone in a second. I mean, you have no no way that you would be able to beat Satan at all. It's only through the Lord that you're able to do that. But he's not all powerful. Why? Because we saw it in Job. He wanted to do something on the earth. He had to go to God and ask for his permission. Well, what about Job? Can I, can I mess with Job? And God says, lays down what he can and cannot do. Oh, you can do this. Oh, you can do this. But you cannot take his life. You can't touch Job's life. So even then, when Satan wanted to do something, he was still under the commands and under the binds as far as what God was going to allow him to do. Satan is not omnipresent. You know, sometimes we're like, oh, Satan, get behind me, you know, or, or Satan, did, I t- stubbed my toe. Oh, Satan has made me, no, Satan didn't make you do that. Probably it was just you. You were dumb and you weren't looking and you stubbed your toe. It had nothing to do with Satan. Also, for the record, Satan is only in one place at one time, right? He's not omnipresent. He's not God where he's everywhere. So probably, I'm 99.99% sure of this, Satan's probably not messing with you and I. Okay, I mean, I'm just saying, we're all good people, you're all believers, you're wonderful, stuff like that. But we're not like, I mean, there's not a spiritual totem pole, but there is a spiritual totem pole where he's not messing with Kevin. I mean, he's just not. He's like, nah, he's an idiot on his own, I don't need to mess with him. Let me go mess with this dude. Let me go mess with world leaders. Let me go mess with other people that I'm trying to then impose my will upon other people. So he's not looking at me, but he does have minions. He does have demons. He has people that he can send out to be able to do different things. And again, I'm not one who believes that you can be um, that you can be um, demon possessed if you're a believer. I don't believe that because he who is in me is greater than he who is in the Lord. So I don't believe that I can be demon possessed as a believer. That's just not my my personal opinion. So again, it's not like he can come upon me and make me go and do something, but man, he can influence those people that are around me in life. He can influence, you know, believe, not people that are not believers and have them have thoughts or have them do different actions and, and he can come into their lives and make them do different things that you're just like, what is coming upon me? Well, I think maybe that's what's happening here. We don't know what was happening as far as being hindered. We just know that Paul and company were unable to, to head out with something that they desired to do. 
So we don't know if, if Satan was using other people or maybe it was Satan himself because Paul is pretty high up on the spiritual totem pole. So he might have been messing with Paul but at that time. but So he might be coming around and, and stopping what was trying to happen there. A hindered here, the hindered word hindered means it's to cut a trench between oneself and an advancing foe to prevent progress. It's, it's like a military term. So what, they were, what Satan was doing, he's, he's, he's trying to pr- put a, a trench between Paul and what he was trying to do to head out. Can you imagine the work that was going on in this city, Thessalonica, that, that Satan looked at it so greatly that he said, look, whatever we got to do, man, I'm telling you right now, do not allow Paul to come back to this city. So he's got all his little minions together and he's he's just influencing things, whatever he can possibly do to say, hey, look, this is not happening. Paul's not going there. It's not happening at all. The same thing happens within your life sometimes. Again, as, as believers, like I said, I don't believe that we can actually be possessed by the enemy. But maybe there are things that are going on in your life and you're like, man, I, I don't get it. I just, I just don't understand it. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm sincerely trying to follow the Lord. I'm sincerely doing this. I'm sincerely doing that. And, 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 and well, maybe, maybe Satan or maybe the enemy sees something that's happening and they're like, Hey, look, I'm trying to stop something else from happening here. And it's rough and it's hard. And it's, you look at it a point too. And because then the other side of it could be too, where it's, is it the Lord? Is it the Holy Spirit? Because again, now Paul has experienced both. Paul has experienced the Holy Spirit coming in his life and stopping him, and he's experienced Satan coming into his life and stopping him. And so we as believers, again, getting back to your relationship with the Lord, you have to be able to define which one that it is. Can I just say, I don't always know. I mean, you don't look at me and go, well, you're a pastor. You probably got a good relationship with the Lord. And he just sends you something on email or text and says, hey, it was me. You know, don't worry about that. Not at all. There's times I, for years, there was a time where I was just, I was just anxious and nervous and, and, and unsettled and, and, and what was going on. And, and I was going to Christine and I'm like, you know, do you just pray for me? I mean, I'm, I'm having a hard time here. I like, I give it to the Lord, you know, like you're supposed to give it to the Lord, you know, Christian, and just walk away. Don't, don't pick it up from the cross and take it with you. You ever heard that counsel before? You know, and they're all like, Hey, what's up, Christian? You know, just leave it there. Don't take it with you. And you're like, okay, I'm doing that. Okay, it still pops up into my mind. It still pops up into my life where I'm like, I'm having a hard time here. I'm just unsettled and I'm just not happy. And I'm like, what's going on within me that it just keeps going on? So it's hard to know. There are times that it's difficult, but I know this. I know that if I do, if I do lean into him, do I, if I do press into the Lord and I come to his counsel, it doesn't mean that it happens right then. I mean, that's the hard part with, especially as our culture continues to change. And I made jokes about writing letters last week and then, you know, or now it has to, everything has to be instantaneous, either texting or Instagram or whatever and, and all that kind of stuff that that has to be, has to be that fast to have an answer. Remember we talked about Joseph a couple years ago? He was in jail, I think it was for 16 years, 16 years, and he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't, he followed the Lord. He did exactly what the Lord would have wanted him to do. He, he, he did right and he got thrown in jail, almost got out and got told, was told that no, he was forgotten. He was left in jail for even longer. Christian, could you be honoring and loving and responding to the Lord 
for 16 years in whatever that you're going through? And Kevin, yeah, I, I, I could. No, no, could you? And I'll, I'll be honest with you, a small church like this, I know there's some people that are going through it. It's kind of amazing that it's such a small church like this. I think we're like per capita right there with anybody else as far as opportunities for us to pray for each other. Amen. I mean, it just seems like this is the church you go to if you're something going on and you need prayer, you know, because it's just about everybody can. I'm looking around here and then we can. Somebody's got something that I know of. But again, the thing that I know is that the Lord is faithful. Oh, Christian, how does that work? And, and how are you so sure? Or is it again, you know, like the world likes to say, well, it's just a crutch that you need to be able to get through the day. And, and well, it's not a crutch, but yeah, I, I need the Lord to get through the day. I don't know how the Lord, the world does it. I don't know how the Lord does it either, but I don't know how the world does it where they sit there and they just continue to, to pine through life and, and through, go through the ups and downs and, and, and just the, how the world continues to come upon us. And it's just, it's difficult, is it not? I was talking to a young man one time. He had just graduated high school and, you know, he was looking at all these plans and things that he wants to do and stuff like that. And, and it's great to be 18, 19 and just looking ahead to your life. Man, these are the things that I'm going to do. This is not talking about Jonathan. We're heading out and I'm getting ready to do whatever I want to do. And that's wonderful. Is it not? Do you guys remember back to those days where you were looking ahead, you know, maybe in fear and, and in excitement and all that kind of stuff too? And I told him, you know, it's, it's awesome. You're, you're in the harbor. You're in a ship. The Lord gave me just an illustration and you're in a ship right now in the harbor and you're, you're about to head out to sea. It's pretty cool, is it not? And then I said, but you, you know, the interesting thing is that your dad and I are, are out there in the ocean somewhere. At one point, we maybe thought we were heading to England and that was our goal and that's where we were going to head to. But man, maybe, maybe we're in Spain now. Maybe we're still out there and we're still floating around. You know, the hard thing about life is as, as, as life happens and, and the currents of, of life and, and, the, and the storms of life come in, it, it, it gets you off the plan that you had originally, correct? I, I don't think, well, maybe some of us did, but for most of us, maybe we never thought we'd be in Sarasota. I didn't even know Sarasota existed when I was 18 years old, okay? But here I am, last 16 years of my life. Life just changes and you have to be able to say, okay, Lord, well, this is the, the path that I'm on. This is the plan that you've got for my life. Well, how do I then continue to then serve you and keep my eyes upon you at all times? And as Paul continues to look at this church and that's, that's his nervousness is that he's so scared. I, I don't want this church to get influenced and I don't want this church to move and I don't want this church to, to be influenced by these people and, and to walk away from the Lord. And the same thing would be for, for Pastor Don and for I, for you guys. I don't want you guys to, to leave the faith. I don't want you guys to walk away. Because it's hard. Life is hard. It's one of the greatest things I've ever heard from somebody. It's, it's harsh to hear it. But it's true. Life is hard. If it wasn't hard, then guess what? Heaven would be nothing, right? Heaven would be just a, oh, I get to go there. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. 
For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. And Paul has asked, asked the question is, what is our hope, our joy, or our crown of rejoicing? Well, his or, or our hope is, is Christ, is it not? I mean, that's what ultimately our hope is. We, we hope in Christ because he's the one that has died for us. But as a pastor, Paul's letting this church know that my smaller hope, my smaller hope is you. It's you. As we come here each Sunday and as we come to Bible studies on Tuesdays or Wednesdays and we do worship nights and we do, you know, family feast nights and, and, and it's, it's, it's you. What is our, what is our hope? What is our crown? What's well, you guys? That as we look upon you and we, we get to see you go through the struggles of life and, and as any father, as any mother would want to do is you want to be able to jump in there and to save but you know, at some point, your kids have to experience that pain of life. And then you have to stand back and you have to allow them to do that. And then it's just, hey, what's going to happen here? Where, where are they going to go? And you have to be able to then, as they continue to grow and get older, and you know, the, the difference between talking to a Camden and an Owen and a Joshua and an Ashland, the, the age differences are there. And that's why you have to step in more or step in less. You know, I have to, you have to talk to Camden a little bit more. Why? Because he's younger and, you know, he's got too much energy. And, and then you've got, you know, teenagers that have no energy. So they are all lethargic and they don't want to do anything anyway. So it's much easier to talk to them. But it's, it's a point too, where just their understanding level is different as well too. When it's a little child, you have to, you are consistently on them and talking to them all the time. And as they get older, you have to now step back and become more hands-off and allow them to have different conversations and you have to ask questions and you have to, to listen and to receive and, and to listen. The same thing as a pastor. Is you have to, to make those decisions on the fly of, of, oh my goodness, this is a new believer. We're going to step in here immediately. We're going to have, oh, no, 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 come on back here, back here. For some of us, it's a point of, okay, well, I, I know the Scriptures. I'm frustrated and I'm upset and I don't know what to do, but I know what your word says, God. And I don't know how this plays out tangibly and I don't know understand what's going to happen here, but and then that's when you're a pastor and you get to sit back and see that happen and it brings you joy. That's the joy. There are tears. There's heartache. There's prayers. But you are our glory and joy. Moves on to chapter 3 and verse 1. It starts, Therefore, when we could no longer endure, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to encourage you in concerning our faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened, and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to, you your, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter 
had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. He says, therefore, and he switches gears again, because therefore everything that I just talked about, because I couldn't endure it anymore, I couldn't handle it anymore, man, I said, you know, i, I got to send Timothy. I just got to send Timothy. And we, we kind of know who Timothy is, correct? We, we've, we've seen that in Philippians. We, we learned about him. And, and then Paul in, in chapter 2 of Philippians says, hey, look, I, I've got nobody like him. I mean, he is the man. There's, there's nobody who, who, who will be willing to serve the way that I do. There's nobody who just looks upon others more than himself. And so he sends his most trusted confidant that he has. He sends Timothy there. And he was sent to establish, and, and King James, it actually says strengthen here. He was sent to strengthen and encourage you. Isn't it great to have these kinds of people in your life? When you're going through a trial, you're going through some times that they're, they're able to come alongside of you at that moment and just give you to strengthen you and to encourage you and to, to, to be able to give you a word when it's needed and to be able to encourage you in your life. Christian, when you're encouraged in life, you are strengthened. It's wonderful to see that and then, and it gives you, it just gives you hope and it gives you the ability to be encouraged in whatever you're going through. Verse 3, he says that, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before, when we were with you, we would suffer tribulation just as it happened, and you know. The shaken here is, is deceived. And, and again, sometimes the enemy doesn't use fiery darts for deception, just to let you know that. It's not always a hard time. It's not always something evil that comes into your life. Sometimes when you're, when you're deceived, it, it's, it's actually eloquent praise. It, it's, it's, it's just encouraging you in something that you're like, man, I really didn't do anything, you know? Oh, Kevin, man, you've done such a great job with your kids, man. I, I mean, to have a father like that in that household, I mean, that's, that's why you have good kids. I mean, because you're just a good father. That's why you have good kids. And you're like, well, yeah, what is Christine doing? You know, I mean, what the heck? Why I got to do all this stuff for myself? You know, I mean, it, well, that's a fiery dart right there. I go home and say that it's a fiery dart too, but I mean, that's besides the point. But so it's just a fiery dart. It's, it's when somebody starts giving you praise and, 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 and just eloquence of words and, and they think that, that maybe they're doing it nicely, but, but also the, the enemy uses both. So many times we're willing to, to push that one aside. Why? Because it really encourages our ego. We're like, oh, yeah. Give that to me. Oh, praise Kevin. This is good. I like this. But then, another thing that I see here is in verse 4, he says, we told you before. I, I, I have no understanding of how Paul did what he did. He was there for three weeks. Okay? So in three weeks' time, he saved evidently a mess of people. Okay? A bunch of people got saved. All right? He also set up deacons and elders. Within three weeks' time, there was enough people that he said, hey, dude, you're, you're, you know it. You've got going on. You've got it going on. You've got it going on. I mean, he was just, I mean, within three weeks' time. Now, working all day, teaching at night, okay? We're going to see here again, too, that he was praying exceedingly, okay? So he's praying all the time, too. I don't know. How, again, I don't know how he did it. So he did all this stuff, and not only just his teaching of just getting people saved and salvation, 
but he had like the ultimate new believers class because he's talking like end times theology. He's talking about persecution. I told you these things were going to happen already. I mean, the amount of information dump that he did upon this city is just amazing. I mean, it's got to be just the Holy Spirit. And I think that when you then look at that, now you go back to what Satan was looking at and he's like, my goodness, we can't allow this guy to come back. I mean, what he did in three weeks is just ruining everything that I'm trying to do here. He said, I can't, if Paul goes back there for another three weeks, I, I don't know how I do it. So that's why he hinders them. He puts this thing in there, baby, because when Paul looks at it and goes, man, you knew it. Man, you knew I was going to get some tribulations and some persecutions. You know, I told you about that in Philippi. You guys saw it when I was at Thessalonica. You guys have received some of it too. You know, don't, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. We, you guys knew that this was going to happen. Why? Because again, as we look back even to Jesus, we look at Jesus and he received the persecutions and he received the tribulation. Why again, that should we not accept the same thing? In three weeks time, Paul did this. I look at the, the years that I wasted being a new believer and coming to know the Lord, you know, and in hindsight of just the, the years wasted of not investing myself in reading the Bible, of years wasted not investing myself into to gaining more knowledge, of years wasted. I mean, I have so much more information available to me now than, 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 than they ever did. And, and here I am, just, I've just wasted years that I can never get back. Three weeks' time, Paul poured into them. Verse 5 says, For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, unless by some means the tempter had tempted you. And our labor might be in vain. And again, that's the whole purpose. Again, it just being, being concerned as a pastor, being concerned as a friend of, of not wanting again for you guys to be tempted and taken away. Again, if you have salvation, the, the enemy can't grab your salvation from you. He can't, he can't take those things away. But he can make you have a wasted life. I think I've used this a couple times. Alan Redpath talked about when he first got saved, he was the head of um, Moody Bible College back in, I think, the 70s and 80s, maybe the 70s. Um, you can go online and listen to this. I listen to it all the time. Great, great pastor, great teacher. Um, but when he got saved, he was in England and, um, he worked for an accounting firm and, um, he and a bunch of guys, you know, they're drinking, they're showing up late, they're leaving early, all this other stuff. And there was one Christian that was there. And so they used to always make fun of him and give him a hard time. And, and so they actually were going to try to get this guy fired, right? Because he was just making them look bad. And they were like, you know what? We're going to get this guy fired and get him out of here. And, and so he actually has to go on a way trip with this, with this Christian guy and so they go to this hotel room and he's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm here with this guy. I can't do anything. And, you know, now he's, he's reading and, st- and all, and, and he's going to bed on time. He shows up and it's just terrible. Why am I with this guy? And so over the course of the couple of days, and then that night he gets in the hotel room and he says, hey, I'm going to pray. Do you want to join me in prayer? You know, just this guy being this guy. Alan Redpath ends up getting saved. What? How does that happen? Well, then the story gets better because in Alan Redpath, he's, he loves rugby and which I guess everybody in Europe likes rugby, but, and, uh, so he, he likes rugby and, and so he's, he's all, he wants to play and, and do all those kinds of things and he still works for this company and, well, this guy, this Christian leaves and so he's back in town like a year later. 
And so Alan meets him for lunch and he's, he's all excited and he's talking about different things that are going on. And, and so somehow this, this Christian guy understands things aren't just right in Alan's life. He said, Alan, can I, can I tell you something before we leave? He goes, what? He goes, you can have a saved life and a wasted life. You can have a saved life and a wasted life. He goes, I got to go because there's a waiter that needs to hear about the gospel. And he got up from lunch and go minister to the, the waiter. Christian, you can have a saved life and it be wasted. Alan Redpath goes on. He said, you know, I get back on the train to head back home. And, and every single time that the train would, da-doom, da-doom, save life, wasted life, save life, wasted life. Because I go to a bar that night and the next week and there's playing the same song, save life, wasted life, save life. He goes, I got to finally to the point where I said, Lord, here is my life. I give it to you. Christian, you can have a saved life. And you can have your insurance policy to be able to get in heaven. But again, it was we learned in James that salvation is not by works, but you will see it by the fruit of your works. There has to be works to prove your salvation. Again, the works don't save you, but if you are saved, there's an abundance of works that just automatically overflows out of your life. Paul moves on into verse 6 and it says, but now Timothy has come to us and from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and, and that you'll always be, have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as, as we also see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our afflictions and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. And Timothy has come to them with, with two things. One is, is good news of your faith and love. And, and so they had not lost their faith in Christ and they had not walked away. The other thing that comforted Paul and company was the fact that, that, that the Thessalonians, they missed Paul. Man, we just miss your fellowship. Well, because of this good news, they were, and Paul and all were, were very comforted and they, and, and same thing happens to us. You ever hear something? You're, somebody's out on a mission trip or somebody's gone or you haven't seen them in a long time and then you bump into them or you hear a word and they're, they're doing fine. You're like, oh man, that's good to hear. I bump into Mark Foltz every once in a while and, and some others and it's just, it's always good to see them. Grace was here last week for real quick to his daughter. Some of you know Grace, some of you don't, but um, knew her when she was in middle school and now she's married, you know, and you're like, wow, I'm old. And, um, but happy, you know, nice young man that, that she's married to. And you're just like, man, that's just, it was just comforting to see it. We live, we flourish to know these things. Verse 9 says, I'm trying to finish out here. For what things can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God. Night and day, praying exceedingly. Again, I don't know how he did all these things. That we may see your face and perfect. And perfect what is lacking in your faith. Now many, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct your way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound to love to one another and to all just as we do to you so that he may establish in your hearts.
Again, verse 9. So, so be happy again with the report. And Paul had read er, earlier, again, just the fact that he was praying exceedingly for them. Night and day. It's really convicting when you read letters from Paul just of the things that he had done. And um, maybe it's because he didn't have all the technology. It made it a lot easier. But at the very end, Paul makes two requests. And, and I'll finish with these two, is that the Lord would allow Paul and company to see them again. I don't know if this was actually a prayer. I think this is just a, a request as you might write to somebody and say, man, there's just a couple of things I really hope that I can get to do. I don't think this is an actual prayer. Again, I think as we've picked, over, over, picked up over the last three chapters, is Paul just wanted to see them again. He just desperately wanted to see them. The second thing was for this church, his desire that the church would increase and abound in love for one another and for others. Christian, it's, it's a great desire for, for this church and for any church and any Christian is to just that your love would abound for others. And, and, and probably a little easier during the Christmas season and the holiday season because you're automatically in that mode. I hope that you find time for love for others. Why is this? So that God may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and all his saints. God may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and all the saints. We're going to talk about that next week when Paul, when Pastor Don does chapter four and just of the, of the rapture. And, and so Paul's kind of bringing this into the next part. But again, you don't want to be at a point where the rapture happens or, or, or Jesus calls you home and you're in the middle of doing something that you know that you shouldn't be doing. Correct? You don't want to be at the English pub down here and throwing darts and drinking, you know, pints with the guys. And then all of a sudden you hear the trumpet and you're like, Oh, you know, what am I doing here? This is wrong. I shouldn't be here. Shouldn't be in a fight or an argument at the time. And you just, God may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, he, he is coming. Just as I talked before that Satan is real, Satan is real. Well, guess what? The other part of that too is Jesus really is coming back. And I know that we've, we've heard this for the last, you know, 2,000 years, and you're like, oh, when's it ever going to happen? Is this just a fairy tale? Is this just made up? No. Jesus is coming back. I mean, you, you, you got to know that in your, your gizzard. You got to know that deep down inside of you so that you, you really believe it. Christian, you really believe that? And I'm telling you right now, life, your life changes radically. There's an importance now to witness. Why? Because Jesus is coming back soon. And if he comes back soon and you don't know him, where are you going? You're going to go to hell. Why? I don't want people to go to hell. Well, Jesus is coming back soon, so let me make sure that those relationships that I have are, are, are in the right standing. That I've asked for forgiveness of those that I need to ask for forgiveness of. And I've, I've made up to those or I've talked to that person or I've, I've reached out to that person I haven't spoken to a long. I mean, let's make these things right. Let's live blameless. Somebody wants that parking place? Take it. I don't care. I need the exercise. Christian, this is this is a this is a, I know the others are the pastor's epistles, but um, these first three chapters are 
our heart as a as a pastor. It's it's not hard in like oh my gosh can I actually teach this? It's the fact that you you look at your church and it becomes difficult. It becomes difficult because you're emotionally attached to the people that are here, and that you feel what Paul feels. And this is not a difficult area to teach on. It's not a very difficult area to have that emotion or that heart or that understanding to understand what, what is Paul really trying to get at. I, I get it. He loves his church. We love this church. We love you. And I don't want any of you guys to fall away. I don't want any of you guys to get tired and give up. I don't want to give any of you guys to just walk away or be tempted by the enemy and, and move someplace else. Don't do it. Again, it's it's not my requirement to make sure that that happens. It's not Pastor Don's requirement to make make sure that that happens. It, it's it's Jesus, and that's why we did the communion today. It's a reminder of Him who ultimately paid the price for you. Well, why is that important? It's important then because then you are the church. So who are those people that are in your life that you're influencing? Who are those people that are in your life that you are then able to pour into into to use those resources that you had. Like I said last week, each one of us in this room has a talent. You're like, I don't have any talent. You've got talent. You have to find the talent that the Lord has given you that you're then responsible for and just use it. Don't hold it back. Don't hide it. Remember the, the three servants, the first two invested it and they came back with double. The last one, he hid it in the dirt. He said, you wicked servant, what are you doing? Don't be the wicked servant. You've been given something by the Lord. Use it. Use it for His glory. If it's only one, man, praise the Lord. Well, that guy's got ten. Okay. Well, he's responsible for ten. He's responsible for his ten. You're responsible for your one. Use it. Do whatever you have to do to use your talent. And just be blameless and love others. Thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.